Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle, so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, though? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren. This is Jam Session, the podcast version 365, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertain people. So much to get into here. I mean, we got a lot of little tidbits across the slate of sport. We got some quarterback conversation. Believe it or not, we've got to bring up women's basketball again. Who knew that that was going to happen with a just a, a, a more entertaining Believe it or not, a more entertaining women's Final Four overall, I think, than a men's Final Four. We got the Mavs sucking. We got the Rangers doing well. We got it all. And it's made possible because of great sponsors like Greening Law. I worked with Greening Law. I was in a car accident. It wasn't my fault. You got these insurance companies. You got medical bills. You got everything that builds up. And you go, man, how is this going to get taken care of? I mean, I had all kinds of things going on with me. I I talked about this a while back, but my back got jacked up. And I had to go for multiple, their epidural steroid injections. I think I ended up getting four. Because Because of my wreck, as a direct result, I had a severely dislocated what do they call it? Hernia, like a herniated disc in my back. And so I had a couple of them because of this wreck that was, it's uncomfortable. So you go through this process and they send you to rehab kind of, and you go through these things and and you go, okay, well, how, what's going to happen? And how does this get taken care of? And what do I do? The green team, Robert Greening and Greening Law, they handle all of that. They guide you where to go. They take care of everything in the background And again, the consultation is free, man. So if you've been hurt in an accident and you've got pain and you need help, you got to give a call to Greening Law. No, man, I think that's the obvious thing to do. We've been telling y'all that for a minute. If you're involved in, as man told you, an accident, as I'd like to say, almost anywhere that's not at your house, man, what you need to do as soon as you're you're good is pick up the phone, call 972-934-8900. Talk to the people at the Green Team. Tell them your situation. This conversation, absolutely free. Um, hope that they bring you on as a client. And then as we tell you, they don't get paid unless you get paid. And so they're always working on your behalf. They're always doing everything they can do from setting to appointments to telling you what to expect next. Just kind of guiding you through this whole kind of complicated, long, tedious, oftentimes scary uh, situation. And who do you want walking through this thing with you more than a place like Green and Law? That's exactly right. And again, the consultation is free. If you think you've got a case, trust me, they'll let you know. If, if, if they believe you've got something they can work for you, they will let you know, and it's free to find out. It's 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. So it's interesting because let's get in with the NFL draft coming up this month. I mean, we will be on Thursday. We're exactly three weeks away from the first round of the NFL draft. And it's interesting because we've we've kind of talked about this before, but as time goes by, we're through the scouting combine now. We're through pro days for pretty much all these guys, I believe now. And everybody's focusing on, on how is this going to play out? Carolina makes the move to get the number one overall pick in the draft. Houston sitting there at number two. Arizona at number three. There's a lot of thought that a team, even in Indianapolis at four, might trade up to three to secure that they can get a third quarterback, whoever it is that they want. We'll see how that plays out. 
but there's four quarterbacks that everybody keeps talking about. It seems to me like C.J. Stroud is picking up a lot of steam with Carolina to go number one overall, but I do think that Bryce Young is still very much in that that chase. They're going to be the first two guys taken, I think. But then Anthony Richardson and the potential of Anthony Richardson that you may have kind of that Lamar Jackson video game type speed, agility, game-breaking openness. And I think there's a lot wondering, that's great. He can do all that. But can we ever make this guy as a passer, somebody who can get to 65% in the NFL? Because we're talking about a dude who's like a 53% passer. All right, that's a good place to start the conversation. Now, I have not done a detailed deep dive on Anthony Richardson by any stretch. But somebody put this on my timeline, or this thing passed through my timeline the other day. It seemed odd to me, but we'll just say what it is. They said Anthony Richardson had 50 drops and 19 throwaways, which would take his, his, you know, whatever his completion percentage up to uh, whatever it was, 60-some percent. Now, I mean, you're going to have some drops. Nobody has no drops. So, but that's that's just part of the conversation. Like, are his stats really misleading, or are they really who he is? And everybody's pointing to Josh Allen as a guy who had a low percentage in college and obviously increased it quite a bit in the NFL. To me, man, this is a question. Do you gamble? I on college football, that would be. It. I don't. I don't like ever go to. I mean, I, I'm not opposed okay. to going to casinos and stuff, but they're not exactly convenient not to me in do. Alabama. <laughs> well, right. Well, I got a friend who gambles. And he's he's yeah, he's probably I probably classify him as rich. He doesn't gamble a lot per se, but everybody's version of what a lot is is relative to how much money you make. But I thought about this as 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 he would do it as a gambler, and I don't have any doubt that he would take Anthony Richardson with the number one pick overall, because he would say, "Oh, I got this great coaching staff. We're gonna get his mechanics right, and we get his mechanics right." He's going to be a good passer. And then if he's a good passer with his running skill and athleticism, he's going to be a superstar for the ages. Lamar Jackson on steroids. Or how about Lamar Jackson, the MVP? Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's why you could see Carolina taking him going, hey, we've seen what Cam Newton could do. He took us to the Super Bowl. We just didn't win it. But he was a dominant quarterback for four or five years, and we were a terrific team while he was that guy. Or you could say, you know, this, to me, the second riskiest guy is is Bryce. And that's only because there's not a history of guys 5'10 doing yeah. it in the league. And it's not just the 5'10. That necessarily doesn't bother me as much. It's the slight frame. Because anybody else who's that short, whether it's Russell Wilson or whether it's uh, Kyler Murray, they're just thicker players. Now, you could say, well, Drew Brees was only a tick over five. You know, he's basically barely six right. feet. And he wasn't a big guy. Um, you know, so but but the the issue is there's some risk involved with Bryce Young. Um, you know, to me, C.J. Stroud is the safest pick, and uh, he's you know he could do all the great things everybody else could do, but he's just a safe one. Like you feel like we got a really good quarterback if we take him. I don't know if he's a great player, but he's a really good quarterback. Maybe he's Dak Prescott, really good. Who knows if he'll elevate you? And so to me, that, those are just the questions that Carolina will have to ask. Is their head coach, is their GM, is their owner, are they going for, we'll just, we'll just roll the dice, man. We think Anthony Richardson can be, you know, one of the best ever. We got a chance to get him, let's grab him. Or will they be like, we can't mess this pickup. We need C.J. Stroud because we have no doubt he's going to be a really good quarterback. Or, you know, Bryce Young's got all these intangibles. Uh, you know, he's got some limitations with the size, but man, everybody says he's intangible, off the chart. Plus, he's a, he's a terrific player. Let's roll with it. I still think they're going with Stroud, but it wouldn't shock me if they went with Richardson because they think we got a chance at an all timer. Let's get him. Yeah, it, it's. I think those are all valid points. I agree with you with the Bryce Young height thing. Did he have balls batted down at Alabama? Yes. Was it a problem? Not at all. Not at all. It, it, quarterbacks from time to time get balls batted down regardless of height. It, and it wasn't something that jumps out to you that Bryce Young, man, he sure does get a lot of balls batted down. That wasn't happening at the line. Again, I mean, we're talking about a dude that won the Heisman 
he obviously could see down the field enough to throw <laughs> to win a Heisman. The other thing about him being slight, I think, is real. He he got hit a little bit more so, I think, in his junior, well, his second year, not his junior year, his second year at Alabama because they didn't have a very good line, and he got popped a lot. And he wasn't a guy that struggled with injuries, kind of like a Tua that just seems brittle for whatever reason, right? like he was at Alabama. So we'll see. I mean, in the NFL, yeah, you're playing in the SEC. You get hit by big dudes that are fast, but everybody in the NFL is big dude that's fast. Everybody in the NFL is all conference SEC. Right, exactly. And and so it, I'll be very curious to see what Carolina does. And it's interesting, the Anthony Richardson thing. I mean, I watched Florida several times last year. He's obvious. I mean, his he might be faster than, than Lamar Jackson. I mean, he's got that Kyler Murray like type of weird joystick type stuff that Kyler Murray just does, but right. with crazy speed. And he's got a cannon for an arm. I mean, that, he's a guy that could, I, I would imagine, stand flat-footed at the 20 and hit the end zone. I mean, he has a rocket for an arm. They said he overthrew somebody from 70 yards yeah. at the uh, combine. Yeah, he, his arm and his ability to sling it with ease, that's something that you notice. But he does miss guys. I mean, is it fair that he had drops? Sure. Is some of that attributed to ball location? I think so. Whereas if, if he had placed the ball better and made it a little easier for his receiver, can you help that out as you grow? Sure. It's not like Florida had great receivers as well. So I don't know. It's interesting. Um, you know, one of the this is one of the real dives that they're going to have to do, bro. And you probably laugh a little bit when I tell you, uh, but it's true. When you look at a cat like that, um, you really have to go deep and see what kind of worker he is. And here's what I mean what just popped in my head was yeah you can make your you know mechanics footwork oh that's just about how how much you want to work and how consistent you are in your work and how you take the coaching and how you take the coaching from the classroom to the field to the game um so you know you got guys who really aren't interested in working they say they are but they're really not workers and then you have a guy and the guy who comes to mind for me is tony romo mm-hmm who who undrafted free agent shows up at the Cowboys and say, hey, we got a lot of moxie. We, we, we like a lot about you, but this elongated throwing motion you got, this kind of three-quarters sidearm, that, that's just not going to work, bro. And so you need to fix it, and we don't think you can fix it. So, you know, if you can fix it, great. And so he says, well, what's it required to fix it? And they told him what, what you hear all the time. You probably got to make 10,000 throws between now and the start of the you know, training camp. We just don't know if that's enough time for you to get that. Yeah. Well, Tony Romo did that. <laughs> he set up this little net at his house. I mean, he was up to facilities, finding people to do, and he literally charted it and threw it 10,000 times over the summer and got his change of delivery and his mechanics and his muscle memory. Why? That's how bad he wanted it. Now you can say, well, he's got that golfer thing and some OCD involved in that. It doesn't matter. That's what he did. That's how he changed, and what is he now? The all-time leading passer in Cowboys history. Uh, but you got other guys uh, who who have a history of not working. And so you just have to figure out what kind of worker Anthony Richards is, and if he's that guy, yeah, go ahead and take a shot because uh, he's a once-in-a-lifetime athlete kind of. Yeah, and he's going to go very high. If Carolina doesn't take him, he's, I, he's, going, he's to going to go very three, high. going to three, I think. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. The other thing is that the, the, the hype with Will Levis – and all of us that watch SEC football, it's when we started hearing Will Levis is going to go first round, there was some eyebrows raised. Then you started hearing Will Levis, oh, definite top 10. We're all looking at each other going, really? And, and you started seeing Will Levis may go, and now it's kind of going back the other way where apparently his interviews, he has not helped himself. And, and there are some personality questions. He's an out there guy. And... It's interesting, even to me, just as a quarterback with Levis coming out of Kentucky, and it's fair, look, he had a really poor offensive line last year. I mean, they gave up more sacks than anybody else in the SEC at Kentucky. He got hit a lot. But man, some of the decisions that he made, and part of that, you know, when, and we've talked about this with Dak in the past, when you get hit a lot, you're a little more skittish in the pocket, you rush a little bit more. I just never saw anything with Will Levis. I mean, he makes some solid throws. Kind of like Anthony Richardson. He's got a good arm, 
But man, I, like with Anthony Richardson, you see something and go, man, if you could corral that, you've yeah. got a thoroughbred. With Will Levis, you look at it and go, I mean, I, I just don't, I don't see what, I wouldn't want, Lil, I would not want my team drafting Will Levis. I just don't see it. Well, you know, man, I'm always taken back to that year you told me where they were just like, hey, we're going to take a quarterback and we'll, yeah. one of them, they got to be able to play. Will Levis seems to be, to me, to be that guy. <laughs> yeah, like the Christian Ponder, Jake Locker type guy. Yeah, and that to me is what he seems like. He's he's great body. He's got these great you know great stuff that looks like uh, he can play. But yeah, uh, you know, let's take him. He should be a good player. And then you find out he's just a guy. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's. I mean, as you know, I've always been fascinated by quarterbacks in the draft. It, it's so just mind boggling why some guys have great success and some don't. And that, well, what do you? What, I'm sorry. I was going to say, what do you think the the biggest reason is? It's just organization. Yeah, I believe so. You know, because there's there's just no rhyme or reason. I mean, reality of it is, you can't go back. There's no examples of quarterbacks being drafted one, two, back-to-back in the draft where both of them turn out. And right. usually, it's the guy drafted second that doesn't turn out. And that's why, but I look at and I go, man, but C.J. Stroud, I think Stroud's going to be fantastic. I think Bryce Young has everything you need. But does it matter if Stroud, let's say Stroud goes to Carolina, is that a better organization to go to than Houston? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) Neither one of them have weapons. You know, Carolina is at least trying to do some things in free agency to make sure that whoever comes in is not working with the bear covered. But, you know, what's what's Houston doing? Oh, well, see, check it out, bro. Like, I don't even care about the um, – I don't care that the cupboard's bare with talent right now if I bring him in. And here's why. If you get with the right organization, they're going to, they're going to, to get you weapons and all that stuff. If you get with the wrong organization – like, I don't want to go to Houston if, I, if I'm one of those guys because Houston's GM is crazy. He's been through – he's on his third coach in three years. Uh, they don't seem to really have a whole lot of direction – they seem to be making it up as they go. And the next mistake he makes, what's probably going to happen to him? He's going to get fired. A new dude's going to come in with a whole new philosophy and all this other stuff. And so I would hope like hell that I don't go to Houston. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking as well. Whereas, who's the other team? Um, at the, least with Charlotte, you know yeah. Reich has a history of kind of stability and a history of kind of doing things a certain way. Now, I'm not saying he's a great this or that, but at least he's more along the lines of you know what you're getting and you have some hope that you can have a degree of success. Yeah, it's it's going to be fascinating, man. And, and what's interesting as well is if the Colts take a quarterback, which it sounds like they're going to, most likely, unless Carolina or her Houston surprises everybody and takes Richardson one or two, do the Colts take Richardson or Levis? And we've seen what they had with Manning. We saw what they had with Luck. Are they going to be able to do it again that high in the draft? It's at least the Colts have a history of they're not screwing it up with these guys. They draft really high. And, and well, with those two last ones they got in the top, obviously those were the number one overall picks. And it's different. It's different when you're at the number one pick and you've got your choice of guy, you can take a guy that probably a lot of the other teams also would have taken number one overall. But when you're, when you're three or four and you also find that you want a quarterback, you feel like, okay, we got to get this guy. Let's see if we can make it work. But the reality of it is, if you had had the number one overall pick, you probably wouldn't have taken the guy you take at three or four. True. It's just, you know, you, I'm telling you, man, it's all about your mentality and how you look at it. And, you know, whether you – like, you know, we always play this game, man. So you're on a game show. It's the same conversation. You know, who wants to be a millionaire? You're at 500000 Are you going home with 500000 Or are you going to the next thing saying, I came with nothing, so if I leave with nothing, I'm good. But I got a chance to make a million right here, so I'm going to go. Or, you know, you got 250000 You going to go home with that, or you going to keep rolling it trying to get to a million? What's your stopping number? Yeah, I think everybody's got to ask that question. What would yours be? I don't know, man. When you're when that pre, when I th- 
That's one of those things where it's like it's easy to say what you would do now. But when you're actually in that moment, what would you actually end up doing? It also depends on what game that you're playing. Are you playing right. an intelligence game where you're like, okay, I feel in complete control. Or are you playing a game that's more based on luck where you go, my luck's been good, but hell, it might run out right now. So. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, because like if you're telling me, okay, it's who wants to be a millionaire and you've got to answer a trivia question and you know the category before you have to make that, then I, I, I'm definitely feeling a lot more confident than, hey, here's a quarter. Would, you got to flip it, and if it's heads, you win it all. If it's tails, you lose it all. Yeah, see, I ain't doing that. No, because even 50-50 kind of stay with what I've got, in a sense. No, absolutely. Um, you know, the... Uh, you got to get back the on the th- mic. I was going to say, you know, the other thing you were talking about with um, Levis, and we've seen it with um, your boy, uh, Carson Wentz. Yeah. You can't be an asshole, man. Yeah. You can't be that guy. You can't be Jay Cutler. And, you know, it just, it, all that matters because people, if people don't want to follow you and people don't want to ride with you, you have no shot. Yeah, that's very true. And, and I don't know about Will Levis, man. I just, I, I do not know about Will Levis. So we will see how it turns out. It, it, it really feels like the way that this thing is going to go is top of the draft, Stroud Young, in whatever order those franchises decide to go. And Houston may be sitting there going, I can't believe Lovey Smith did this to us because we really wanted that guy that Carolina just drafted. Man, they did that to themselves. They didn't. Uh, you know what happened, man? They forgot that people will do that to you. Like they had, he was still in a position of power, and they still just kind of like uh, they didn't show yeah. him the proper respect going out of town, and that's what happened. That's exactly what happened. I mean, and that's really, I mean, that's really all it required to me from what I've read and everything is just show the man a proper amount of respect, and he certainly would have gone for two and all. Of that. <laughs> but uh, you know, sometimes uh, people people learn more difficult lessons than others. Yes, they do, man, and. They learned that one, didn't they, my friend? So, Oh, yeah. Yep. Good for them. It's always good to live and learn. Oh, so, dude, it's the best. It is the best. So we will move forward here. And as we continue, it's time to tell you, as we always do, about JR, Freeway Tire Shop, man, making it happen, the best at what they do for a reason. You can trust them. They stand behind their work. It is elite-level customer service. And again, we tell you about Freeway Tire Shop. The reality of it is every single person listening, well, I'm making an assumption here. I assume every single person listening has a vehicle that gets them around from time to time. Maybe some of you don't. I would guess the vast majority own a vehicle, lease a vehicle, something that you have to use to get around. That vehicle needs service. That's why we tell you about Freeway Tire Shop because we found a place you can drop off your car and you have peace of mind and they're going to do the work the right way. Well, you know, I've been telling y'all for for this for a minute. I, I ride with Jr. because, you know, man, an unreliable car, and we've all had them for at some point of our lives. It's just the worst. And so you want a mechanic who can diagnose what the hell is wrong with your car, and you can trust him to do that. And then you want a guy that you can trust to what use quality parts to fix my car, so I don't have to come back for the same problem. Then you want somebody who what you can trust to charge you a fair price and not gouge you. And then, man, you want somebody to trust that they'll stand behind their work. So if something does go wrong, because nobody's perfect, then you can just take it back and say, hey, it's still making the same noise. Oh, oh, here's the deal. We got it now. And then you're off and running. It's not a big deal. It's not a hassle. And that's the way you want to run, man. That's, um, and that's why I like JR, man. It's the consistency. It's the customer service. It's his expertise at his job. I take my cars over there all the time. I take my friends all the time tell them to take their cars over there all the time because you'll never i've never heard anybody say they had a bad experience with jr so if you got a car problem go right up the street to denton toward denton on 35 get off of commonwealth it's about five minutes from downtown go through the light look to the right you cannot miss it he's there freeway tire shop my friends online freewaytireshop.com you cannot beat what he's got going on So a couple of things that I wanted to throw out here as we get into this trip around the block. So first off, we talked about this last week, and I can't remember if you had tried the orange vanilla of Waterloo or not. 
Do we I have not? Although uh, somebody hit me up on Twitter yeah. and said, I have bring a case of it if, if you want to come by the house and pick one up. I was like, bro, I appreciate the gesture beyond belief, but no, I'm not coming to your house to get some Waterloo. So I got curious and I went ahead and got the 12 pack of an orange vanilla because I told you about the ginger citrus lime or whatever it's called, ginger citrus twist that I love. So I tried right. the new orange vanilla and I, it is for a sparkling water. It's, it's a unique taste. Because it does taste like a dreamsicle, but it's not super sweet because, again, it's Waterloo and none of that is super sweet. So it works, but it's almost as if I can't just drink one. Like, I can drink the other ones any time of the day. Right. I almost feel like I've got to have this. Like I'm, ha It's almost like I feel like I'm drinking more like a soda because of right. that flavor. So I'll drink it like as a dessert or something, even though there's no sugar and it's totally fine for you. Oh, so it's kind of like a stout if we were talking beer. Yeah, in a sense, man. I mean, you get... <laughs> It is dreamsicle. I mean, it is. It is dream. So very. They, they, it's dreamsicle. I, it's like we say with beer. They they accomplished what they were seeking yes. trying to accomplish. Which I I, I still that, can't. And I've had like four or five of them right so far, and I, I still don't know if I if that's what I want in my sparkling water. That's a, you know, man. Let's say if you've had four or five, and it's not a yeah, then it's a no. Well, I'll tell you this: it sure as hell tastes a lot better than the cherry blossom from Lacroix. Because <laughs> I thought that was disgusting, and I will actually finish the orange vanilla cans that I have, and I've still got six cherry blossom Lacroix sitting in my fridge. And that's when I just made myself drink the other six because I was like, "Well, I got this." I was like, "You know what? I I, I can't do this. I'm not going to drink these. I'll just leave them in my fridge. Somebody else can grab one when they come over if they want to try yeah, it." You, you serve them to company. Exactly. Like the beer that I don't really care about, I put in the outside fridge, and I'm like, "Hey, anything in there? Grab it. It's yours." Right, enjoy it. Knock yourself Save out. It. They're like, well, what about these beers over here? No, no, not those I ones. Will beat your ass if you try those. That's the that's the beer fridge that you need to ask permission for. The other fridge is whatever you need out of there is yours. For the most part, you know, I don't want people drinking my Powerade Zeros because those are for when I'm working out in the heat. Oh, okay, all right. I see you. I see you. I see yeah, you know, I, I, it's it's getting a little warmer, and so sweating a little bit more when you work out. So you got to make that happen. Also, the other thing, got session one done on my tattoo on Friday. So wow, I got Look my at Matt breaking news. Yeah, my forearm is got all the line work done for the most part. He's got to add a few things. Uh, send me a picture. I can do one better than that. We took a little video of it. So yeah, I'll I'll send it over. But yeah, keep in mind. It's just the lines. I got to go back and he's going to add because you'll see when I send you this video, there's some spaces and it's kind of one of those things like he was talking about that once you put it on the arm, like he, he did a couple of different stencils to add, put it on the arm. And then from there, he sees how it lays out and he goes, OK, you know, we got to add some there. We got to add some here. And then he'll go back and do some things because like it's going to be like a full floor, a, a full forearm. It'll be full color. All the flowers will be colored and the microphone and all that type of stuff. But oh, OK, OK, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to see it during the process. I mean, you didn't have to. T yeah. OK. You weren't taking a whiz, were you? No, we just for whatever reason, we filmed that little video in our bathroom <laughs> I don't know why I, I was just, Oh, I know why. Cause I was going in there to wash it and she came after me. She's like, well, let's get a video of it. And I was like, okay. And we didn't even think about it. And then we sent it to people and I'm like, great. The toilet's in the bathroom. It's really strange. And it's not just that you're in the bathroom with the toilet. It's very clean, but you're like standing in front of it. Like, yeah. You know. Like why is the toilet in this video that we took? It's very odd. Okay. No, that looks good. That's going to be pretty nice. Uh, once you get it filled in. Yeah, for sure, man. And it's, it's coming along. It's been a few days and it's great. And you know, it's funny because so for people that don't know, when you get a tattoo, no matter what you get, the first night especially, it oozes a lot as your body is reacting to the ink and, and it begins the healing process. So it creates a lot of leakage. And, you know, I had rewrapped my, my forearm to go to sleep on Friday night, but apparently I didn't tape it well enough. And we woke up the next morning and a little bit of the wrap had come undone. And it leaked a little bit on the sheets and on the comforter. Yeah. I felt I felt so bad because the lady, she had to go through and she got some shout and some bleach and was working to get it out of the because we have a white comforter. Oh yeah, yeah. And she was like, "Oh no!" And then like after that, it was fine. It was really mine was like the first night. I mean, when you get this much ink, it's going to leak quite a bit. The second night wasn't too bad, and then obviously by the time you get to night four, you're fine. 
and then eventually it'll start flaking off a little bit and you're good to go. And I'm supposed to go back in a little less than three weeks. It took, what he did took about four hours. All right. Was it uh, painful? Not really. I mean, I don't know. It's all relative to me. There, there's certain parts of it that hurt a little bit more where you notice it a little bit more. And then most of it was just kind of all solid and good. It's funny because I was just, I was sitting there like, and I, I really like my tattoo artist and he seems like a good dude. And so we had a really good conversation for the most part throughout. And so there were times where I don't even realize that like, you forget that you're being tattooed. Oh, okay. All right. Because the conversation is just flowing. You're talking about different things. You know, whenever they go over the bone areas, like when the, over the wrist or closer to my elbow, I noticed that a little bit more. But all in all, it was a good experience. And hopefully he'll be able to finish it completely in the next session. He said he, he doesn't think it'll take three sessions. And, and he kind of looked at it. He's like, I should be able to completely knock that out for you the next time. So we'll see. All right. That sounds good to me. Sounds very good to me. I'm looking forward to it, man. I wanted to get it done because... I was hoping for it to be healed before it gets too far along in the year where the, you're out in the sun more and you're doing more things active. Because obviously yeah. when you have a new tattoo, you don't want to expose it to a lot of sun and water. Because it, it, it will fade the colors super fast, especially on a new tattoo, and, and water can screw it up. So I, you know, I actually already went out and I bought a UV sleeve to cover it up, so... I was like, man, by the time this thing really heals, it'll be mid-May when I'm completely done with it. And then by then, you're talking about it's mid-80s. It'll be touching 90 in June. I'll be working out outside. So I got to make sure you cover it up to keep it nice. Right, right, right. Because you definitely don't want to invest this kind of money. Just like anything else, you wouldn't buy a painting and then be like, oh, hey, come over and let's throw some water on this thing. <laughs> no, you invest that time and that money for body art correct you need to follow the uh, the instructions and make sure it's good that is exactly right man but yeah it was, it was good and i mean every time i get a tattoo and i see it afterwards i just it makes me want to get more so i may be going back to him a couple of times later this year because I, I i really am not a big i, I don't want to get tattoos in the summer just because you know you really can't you can't go swimming for like the first month that you have it you really got to make sure you let it heal you can't you, you don't really want to be out in the sun with it and stuff like that so once i get this completed i'll probably go back once it starts to cool off in the fall again when you're not as it's not a you're not jumping in the pool and doing water and stuff and outdoors as much so i'll probably go back to him in the fall and get a couple more but at least i'll get this knocked out before the summer really kicks in which is nice sounds good sounds good to me too my friend no you know that whole tattoo getting one want one another one you know, I think I told you that, man. My son did that. He, yeah. got, he got one for his 18th birthday, and dude, now he's got three. Yeah. I mean, that's how I and am. I mean, just turned 19. I've got, <laughs> I guess, if we consider all of this one tattoo, I've got seven now. And so I'll be piecing this together. Like, I, I'm going to go get my elbow done, and there's some stuff on the back of my arm that's still open that I'll, I'll have him fill in with some ideas that I have. Over the course of time, it just takes time, man. It takes yeah, time. Plenty of it because you aren't dying anytime soon. So, That's correct. You know. I'm immortal, so I, you know, I, I can <laughs> get tattooed from now until the end of dawn. I guess I don't know. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. As we continue here, uh, some other things to get into, and it's curious because I haven't seen the numbers. And granted, we are recording this on Tuesday morning in the men's national championship game was last night as we record this and so by the time some of you listen to this on wednesday we may have the overnight numbers out on the viewership but yukon in san diego state one of the least interesting title games ever to me because i this was a title game honestly that i said look i'll follow along and if san diego state's going to get into this thing then i'll jump on over and check it out I just have a feeling that UConn is going to win this game by 15 points, that they will be in control, that San Diego State will never really be in it, and it'll be a very boring title game. And sure enough, that's what it was. That's exactly how it played out, man. I mean, UConn is just a lead on both ends of the floor, and there's not too many teams in basketball that are. You know, it, it was one of those things that once UConn took the lead at 12 to 10 early on, all of a sudden, very quickly, this thing got away from San Diego State. And they they bunched their lead up to 10, 12 points. 
you know, halfway through the first half. And then it, that's what it was the rest of the game. Like San Diego State was never really able to chisel their way back into this. You know, UConn at the half, I think, led by 12, but had led by 16 at one point and had missed some really easy open shots and it could have been worse. And I think the closest that San Diego State ever got in the sixth in the, in the second half was like 12 points. Like it was just never a game. No, they, they got it down to five with about six minutes left. And then as soon as they got it to five, uh, your boys went on a uh, 9-0 run, and then that was it. But I think the uh, – I had no interest in the game. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not a – I don't – I'm not a fan of college basketball these days. And while I, I would have watched it maybe had the names on the front of the jerseys been sexier or the style of play been better, but – I just didn't. I didn't think it was going to be a a, a uh, aesthetically pleasing game for me. So I had I had uh, I was checking the score to see you know because sometimes just a close game will make it compelling whether you care or not. So I was checking the score to see if I needed to check it out at any point, and I didn't. And uh, you know we were talking about it, bro. But I was telling you that even when you just pure Final Four thing. Um, the women's Final Four to me was just much more intriguing because you had South Carolina going for an undefeated season and a repeat. You had Kim Mulkey at LSU trying to do for their, her for LSU what she did for Baylor. You had um, Iowa and Caitlin Clark. And then um, I forget who the other team was there. But those three storylines alone to me. Oh, you have Virginia Tech uh, mm-hmm. making their first run. Uh, ever and so no I didn't care about Virginia Tech but the other three teams to me had really compelling reasons to watch them um, you know and so to me and the basketball was good and so I was I was I, I gotta tell you bro I watched uh, the uh, the South Carolina Iowa game I, I watched and then I watched I think I watched almost all the championship game yeah, man, and, and it's the championship game absolutely obliterated any record for women's college basketball and had 9.9 million viewers for a title game between LSU and Iowa that was a, a blowout. I mean, LSU dominated Iowa. Yeah, I thought, uh, now here I am turning into a, an instant college women's college basketball expert, but uh, I was kind of multitasking while I was watching it early. And I was just like, the pace does not seem to be a pace Iowa wants to play no. at. You know, because they can't, you know, the South Carolina pace was better because they were working the ball. South Carolina was working the ball around, trying to bang inside, get these high percentage shots, blah, blah, blah. Well, that also did what? I mean, that's like running the ball. It's like slowed the game down. You know, it kept it in a place where Iowa was very comfortable playing. They, they never seemed comfortable playing at that pace LSU was, was going with. Yeah, and again, I don't pay any attention to women's college basketball other than fairly surface, and I'm familiar with some of the players, the coaches, things of that nature, but it seems to me like Iowa was all Caitlin Clark and oh, they were. nothing else, and Louisiana State actually has more than one or two players that can do some things because Caitlin Clark got hers. I mean, she put up 30 points. You know, did she score 40? No. But it's like, is she going to score 40 every game? And if she hadn't scored 40 in back-to-back games, Iowa wouldn't be in this position. I mean, LSU is just flat out a better overall team, and they took down basically a team that's not even in the tournament if Caitlin Clark isn't on it. No, but, you know, I mean, there's been plenty of one-man basketball teams that have had great seasons and thrived and all that other stuff. You know, Larry Bird, Indiana State. We hadn't heard of them before Larry Bird, and we ain't heard of them since Larry Bird because he's a one-man team. Um, but I just had a thought, bro. Okay, check this out, Matt. This is Jacques' profound thought. Okay. I probably, no cap now, I probably like women's college basketball more than men's college basketball right now. And you know why? I just had this thought, why? What did I, why? okay. The best players are where? The best women's players are where? In women's college basketball. Because they get it right now, yeah. the way it's set up, you can't leave early. So this to me is like the way it used to be in college basketball. Why do I know Paige Bukers 
or whatever her last name is from Connecticut. Because why? I heard a little bit of as this star freshman coming in, and now I've heard about it for three years. And so now I was like, oh, that's that Paige chick from uh, from Minnesota who plays for Connecticut, who's you know who's one of the best players in the, in the country. Oh yeah, I'll go check her out. You know, Caitlin Clark. Oh yeah, she's this girl shooting from the logo. Yeah, she deserves for me to check her out. South Carolina's got a great team. LSU traditionally has a good team. So there's just a lot more names and personalities in women's college basketball right now, and that's uh, that's what I like. Yeah, it, it's there's some personalities. There's no doubt. I, I, I will say I think it's interesting, and the whole thing between Caitlin Clark and the chick from LSU. What's it, Reese? Angel Reese. Angel Reese. I was like, golly, I completely just forgot her first name. Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark. So a couple of things on this. The one thing is I thought it was unfortunate that that is, and maybe it's a good thing for women's basketball, is that now there's like this, oh, what's going on over here? I got to turn, I got to see what this is all about. But it feels like it took away from a dominant performance by LSU because I heard a lot more about what happened between them than I heard about Kim Mulkey winning another championship, her fourth overall with a second school in LSU in their second year. LSU women's basketball, now with Mulkey there, you wonder, are they about to embark on becoming, I don't know that anybody will ever be on the Connecticut dominant level again in women's basketball, but are they about to be a team that wins multiple titles in the next few years with Kim Mulkey? It seems like all that kind of took away from it, but help me to understand this because again, from what I understand, and I've been trying, I don't know if anybody saw. So I know Caitlin Clark did the you can't see me hand at times right. throughout the tournament. Did she do that directly to someone, like walk up to somebody and do it? Or is it just a, like a thing that she did? No, nah, she kind of did it towards somebody. But she, I mean, she didn't go and get right in their face and do it. Um, so, yeah, so but she she definitely did it. And she's been she's been uh, she's a trash talker. And I, I don't find anything wrong with it. Yeah, I don't either. My one thing is, I thought Angel Reese doing it directly to Caitlin Clark, like walking up to her and doing it directly to her was a bit much. Uh, you could say it was a bit much. I would say that, uh, you know, man, I used to do this when we were playing video games <laughs> with a friend of mine. It was just, you know, ask for no mercy, give none. It's just what it is. Um, people who talk trash do it at all kinds of levels and you know she caitlin is is a level 10 trash talker i mean uh, she's probably level 10 angel reese is probably level 10 too uh you know because what did caitlin reese tell you uh, the other level 10 trash talker from louisville uh you're down 15 shut up um so it's just what it is i think uh whether you thought it was a bit much or whether you thought it was cool the outrage or the controversy comes from the fact that nobody said anything when Caitlin Clark did it. Matter of fact, ESPN did a two and a half minute package on Caitlin Clark being a clapback queen, being a trash talker. ESPN did a package on Caitlin Clark talking trash. Two and a half minutes. That's a long time in TV. And then here's this other woman who talks trash and does it maybe much more demonstratively. And it's all about now Dave Portner wants to call her a, a piece of shit. Keith Oberman wants to call her a fucking idiot. And all these people are out here calling her classless and saying she wasn't raised right. And it's like, wow. This seems to have a bit of a racial tone to it, you think? And then I think that's what, uh, that's what sets people off. And, and, you know, Don Staley talked about it. Um when you know talking about her team being called thugs and bar fighters and all of this uh, because they play a physical style and physical brand of basketball and you know man white people often look at this and say oh you're overreacting this or that and it's because they don't have to deal with it you know but when angel talks about i'm you you've been calling me hood or you've been calling me ghetto all year you know it's a um We've talked about this before, and I've talked about it with friends of mine. This is what happens, bro, when you got no diversity in the media. And what happens is people come into every story or every situation with their own personal bias. 
that's just how you were brought up. It's how you were raised. It's, you can't help it. It's just what it is. And if there's nobody to ever check your bias, then you just put it out there, not understanding that what you wrote was biased because of how you viewed it from the, your own prism of the world. And so I think that's, that's where it came from, you know, and uh, if more people understood that, you could have better conversations about it. But they don't, so you can't. Um, did, uh, I'm going to go off on an exit ramp on this. Did you pay any attention to Jim Trotter's contract not being renewed by the NFL Network? Yeah, after he asked the question about the diversity in the media. Right. Yeah, I thought well, what, that that was fairly obvious. Well, what he's really doing is he's saying, in a nutshell, how can you have a league that's 70% black and you don't have anybody black covering it? Because all these black people come from a certain perspective that, yeah, there's a percentage of white folks who can get it and who might understand it, but the vast majority don't. And so you're the people telling the story. So you look at things far differently through your prism of life than, than other people. And that's not to say, now, you know, the problem with being a black reporter is black, black players think you're going to cut for them and cut them a break at every opportunity because we boys, blah, blah, blah. And that's not it. It's just that I can understand your perspective better because maybe I grew up in a similar situation with you. Maybe I know people who had similar situations to you. And that's really what diversity is all about. It's about bringing different mindsets and different thoughts to a situation so that you don't have the same type of perspective being put out there. Like, I love the Dallas Morning News. Grew up wanting to work there, spent 20 years working there. But again, for much of my time, you had two or three white male columnists in their mid-40s or 50s writing columns about all the athletes in Dallas. Well, in general, their perspective is the same because that's how they grew up. And so they don't offer you a lot of variety. And that's why you want women columnists, you want black columnists, you want Hispanic columnists, you want Asian voices, all of that, man. So you have a much bigger, broader picture of what's going on because it's bigger than just you and your vision. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people are able to understand that. Now, they're not. We're going to talk about this in my SMU class tomorrow, um, you know, because I can ask them just a very simple question. And it's only I'm only going to ask it for perspective, which is because I got seven kids in my class. How many of you guys have black friends? Oh, and, you know, they'll probably all raise their hand. How many of how many of those black friends have you invited to your home? And they'll probably raise their hands. And they'll be how many of those black friends have you been to their home? And maybe they'll raise them or maybe they won't. I don't know because I haven't asked the question yet. But I'm interested to know what the answer is. Because all of that information, even on a very, you know, even on a very uh, limited audience with seven or seven people tells you something. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would say so, yes. Yeah, so that's it. But, you know, part of my job as an educator is to teach them like, hey, this is what you, when you, this is how you have to deal with athletes because you're primarily dealing with black athletes. And so you have to have some idea of how they think and, and what their thought process is so that you can, you know, build a, some type of relationship with them so that you can get the stories that you want, ultimately. That's what makes you a good professor, I would say. <laughs> yeah, man. But it's, uh, I mean, it's just amazing to me, the difference in, in how that whole thing went down. And uh, the vitriol expressed that, uh, you know, sent LSU's way you know it was I was like wow yeah and, and like I said like I just didn't know what the backstory was it uh, what what it was the backstory of it like to me the type of trash talking like I guess to me like I said it feels like it took away from the team but the type of trash talking that I used to do which I think is more effective personally <laughs> is when you go and nobody knows but the person that you're talking to that you're talking to them and you're like standing on the free throw line and you're not even looking at them but you're saying their name and, and talking shit to them yeah but and we all have different ways of doing that like i if it had been me and i it's again i'm not trying to say she should have done this but i think it would have been funny because i would have walked up to the free throw line i'm like caitlin caitlin look at the scoreboard we're with caitlin look at the scoreboard and i i, I probably because I, I used to do this. I would go 
And I would repeat the same thing over and over and over while we're standing at the free throw line to drive the person insane. Yes, I could see you doing that. Yeah, because I'd be like, Caitlin, scoreboard. Caitlin, scoreboard. Caitlin, scoreboard. Caitlin, look at the scoreboard. I could see you doing it in different Matt voices. Too. Yeah, like look at the scoreboard. Look at the scoreboard. Look at the scoreboard. Stuff like that, because exactly. I think that driver insane. Personally, that's just me. I like to get in people's heads as well because I enjoy trash talking. I think there's some good trash talking to it. You know, like oh. you brought up Larry Bird. I mean, that dude used to, he'd, he'd sit there. I mean, he was notorious. He'd tell you exactly what he was going to do, tell you your face, then do it. Yeah. Um, no. So, I mean, you know, trash talking to me is just part of sports. And, once it, and if you don't want people to talk, what's, what's the ultimate thing? Go beat their ass. Yeah. Shut them up. Yeah. That's why I said that whole ask for no mercy, give none. It just is what it is. We're playing, and here's the deal. But it is interesting, again, because that was 9.9 million viewers, the single most watched women's college basketball game in history. I mean, not even close. Like, like broke the, the old record by, like, 4 million viewers. Dude, smashed it to smithereens. And it peaked at 12.6 million viewers. Wow. For women's college basketball. Yeah. I think that's, uh, I think it was all that. LSU with uh, the Bayou Barbie, and uh, they got another girl. I forget her name. Starts with an F. But she's a, uh, you know, she, she, she's signed a rap with uh, Rock Nation. So my point is they got personalities at LSU. They got Ken Mulkey, who's obviously a big name. And then, um, you know, Caitlin Clark, everybody wanted to see. Once, once they saw her pulling up from the logo. Yeah, and I mean, Kim Mulkey, man, she did it with Baylor. And it's, she's immediately doing it with LSU. And, and, and LSU is going to be here for a while now. Yeah, because uh, she's got nine new players. Uh, Angel is back. Uh, the young lady I'm talking about is just a freshman. And now she's going to be able to recruit. And, uh, you know, I don't think you have any problem recruiting to, uh, to LSU. So, no, nah, they're, they're going to be in the hunt. And then, you know, LSU and South Carolina, they're going to be raging war in the SEC. Yes, yes, they are. Those are going to be epic battles. And maybe battles that I will have to start watching. Because, again, I mean, I, I did play-by-play in college for women's basketball. I was around the team for two years. I, don't, I just, I don't know. I get, you know what it is? If we don't talk about it on the show sports wise it's just there's so much other stuff to try and watch that we do talk about that right i'm not necessarily going out watching stuff if it's not going to but we ended up watching talking about this a little bit and and honestly the reason why is because of what happened in the game because everybody had an opinion on it as you might imagine so we move forth and we need to tell you about our guys over there at hfx foundation solutions because you guys know this Texas soil you go through periods where it'll just rain a lot in like one day and then you don't get any rain for forever the heat coming up this summer all that can play havoc on your foundation which is why you need HFX foundation solutions if you're noticing cracks if you're noticing sticking doors sloped floors all those types of things are signs that you may have a foundation problem like well I don't know if I do me neither. That's why you call HFX Foundation Solutions. You get Aaron and his guys on the phone. They come out. It's a free, no obligation inspection, and they'll go through the process and figure out, hey, maybe you don't have anything. You're good. Glad you called us. Here's some tips and whatnot to, to make sure that you're good in the future. Or, yeah, I'm glad you called me because you caught this thing early, and it's not going to cost you thousands and thousands of dollars like it might if you wait and you screw with your foundation. No, nah, man, that's what we always tell you. Um, whatever you do, make sure you go get the colonoscopy for your crib. <laughs> While you're sitting up here laughing, no, nah, we dead serious, man. Go over there to HFX Foundation Solutions and let Aaron and his team go to work for you. Consultation's free. Have them come over and check it out because what you want is peace of mind. We call, call it the colonoscopy for your crib. Why? Because when you get a colonoscopy, it checks all the things that you can't check yourself with the naked eye. Well, what Aaron and his team do, I'll check all the things you can't check at your house with the naked eye, man. It's a beautiful thing. They do a great job, and you'll be well served to give them a call and let them help you out so that you can catch something, if it's there, early rather than late. It's the way to do it, man. Again, that number, you got to have it. You got to know it, 817-770-0174. Or you can check them out online at hfxfoundation.com. 
So we get into what looks like the end for the Dallas Mavericks. And we've talked about this briefly in the last couple of podcasts, but the reality of it is the Dallas Mavericks are now at a point. They are five games under 500. They cannot finish the season above 500. The best they can do is win their final three games to finish 40 and 42 and finish two games under 500, which is stunning. They lose in overtime to the Hawks on Sunday. They play on Wednesday night against Sacramento. They've got three home games to close out the season. They must win all of their last three games, and they have to hope that Oklahoma City or Minnesota loses two of their last three games. It's not happening. No. And, um, you know, Doug, I'm not, uh, I mean, it just is what it is. I've done this a long time. I see how things kind of work out, play out, and how they look. And when you just look at it, man, um, this team hadn't won three in a row in forever. Why would they win three in a row now? It's not happening. It's done. You know what I mean? And ultimately, that's how ultimately that's how I end up looking at seasons. It's just like it's you know for a while you could convince yourself that oh yeah they could do this they could do that, but at a certain point it just becomes they don't have it, man. And it's free falling. You know nobody's been able to salvage it. They don't play with any confidence. They don't play with any urgency, and uh, they're getting what they deserve. Yeah, and I will say this, it is, to me, and I mentioned this the other day, and I I just don't know that we've ever had a failure as big as this by any team in Dallas sports. This is a monumental failure by this organization. I mean, because again, this isn't, like, I, I put this out on Twitter the other day, and somebody said, no, the Rangers losing the World Series in Game 6 was the biggest failure. I said, man, your season's, you're not a failure if you make the World Series, I mean, to me, it, no. you're, you're just not. And, and people forget that was a game. That, yes, they lost game six. Did it hurt? Yes, by far the worst heartbreak of Dallas sports. You know, but they made the World Series and they even went to a game seven. I, I, I just don't see that as a failure. When you have a player like a Luka Doncic, who is a generational player, and you go out and you get a Kyrie Irving, who is on that level, and you've got two first-team All-NBA caliber players, and you do not make the playoffs when 10 (laughs) out of the 15 teams in the conference get into the playoffs and you finish below 500 that is a stunning failure okay i may um yeah it is now i'm gonna ask you this question while i look up something because i may have i may have a similar stunning failure for you Uh, i just want to double check it who's the scapegoat in this it seems it seems to me that it's I don't know how it could not be Jason Kidd. I don't know who else it would be because I don't know who else you can blame. You know, I mean, reality of it is, so Nico, front office, I, 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 he went out and got Kyrie. It, it, it didn't work. Do we blame him because it didn't work with Kyrie? I mean, aren't you supposed to go out there and try to find that other piece to get with Luca? I mean, Kyrie did what he's supposed to do. Luca did what he was supposed to do. They don't have anything else. You know, I don't know how much you can do with the roster. So, yeah, you know what? I do blame, kid, because I, I thought it was obvious earlier on that Jaden Hardy needed more time. Some of the, the ways that he handled Christian Wood and the ways that he balanced the lineup at times were kind of perplexing, where right. you felt like some of these guys need, should, should have gotten more time or more opportunities that didn't for whatever reason. Right. So, yeah. yeah I can see that. Yeah, but they made some weird moves. You know, they got JaVale McGee and then decided that they couldn't yes. use him. It's like, what? how did that happen? Um, you know, so things like that, man. It's it's uh, Somebody's got to pay for it. It'll just be very interesting to, to me to see, you know, who, uh, who takes the final L, um, you know, and uh, what happens to him. Uh, because this has been a, a season. I mean, it's unbelievable, bro. <laughs> Nobody would have, uh, could have, would have, could have ever predicted this. You just couldn't have. I was looking for that season for the Rangers, man, where they lost all those games at the end and blew a big lead and missed the playoffs. 
back when they were good. Or maybe they ended up as a wild card team. Yeah, I think they ended up as a wild card. And look, you know, there's you could say that when the Rangers got swept when, what was that, 2016, when they won 95 games and they got swept by Toronto 3-0, you know, that was a failure. But again, I mean, at least you made the playoffs. It's hard to have a failure if you make the playoffs. I mean, I, like my thing is, have we ever had a team in Dallas, in the history of Dallas sports, that had one of the very best players, a legitimate, one of the top five players in their league, a legitimate MVP candidate, and they didn't even make the playoffs when that player was healthy and played the majority of the games. See, that's the whole key, bro. Like, you can look at some Cowboys seasons, and but you can be like, oh, Tony Romo got hurt, and that's why they went from, you know, 10 and, five, 10 and 6 or 11 wins to 4. Or, oh, Dak got hurt. Or Romo got hurt. That's why they won four games that year. You have a reason why you suck. Yeah. This one has no explanation for it. You're exactly right, man. It, it, it's just, it's, there's nothing. It, it doesn't make any sense. It is stunning that the Mavs are going to do this. And now I wonder, I just wonder, you know, Dirk was a superstar. And then when the Mavericks started that string of no success in the playoffs, pretty much starting with that, uh, that loss to Golden State where they were the, the number one seed. Man, he started getting his ass kicked until he won it. Yeah. Is Luca about to start getting his ass kicked? I don't know. Nobody, I mean, nobody said a critical word about Luca. It's, uh, you know, uh, outside of he whines too much about the refs. Yeah, but that's no, true, man. But nobody has said, hey, dog, this is your team. So it's time. You get to you get you get the two hundred fifty million. That's good. You've earned that. But now, dog, you got to have the responsibility of it's. You're responsible for this shit because the players' league is not the coaches' league in the NBA. It's about the players. You're exactly right, man. And this is one of those things. Luca needs to go through this offseason, and he needs to elevate his game somehow, some way. Show up hundred percent ready to go in shape, and he has got to figure out whatever it is mentally meditate i don't know what it is he has got to stop complaining to the refs as much as he does because it takes away from his game yeah and there's too many too many examples of luca either missing back on defense or letting it affect him because he's bitching at the ref instead of going down there and doing what needs to happen that's that's the next evolution in his game i think is is finding that more self-control on the court to some degree some way somehow I would agree with it. But man, this is just, this is unbelievable. It really is unbelievable. I, I never, I, I, I never, if you had told me the Mavericks would finish, let's say, because, you know, maybe they win two games, they finished 39 and 43 and missed the playoffs and finished 11th in the West, I would have said, well, damn, dude, did Luca blow out his knee? And you're like, oh, exactly. no, no, Luca was healthy. I believe, did, did everybody else on the team blow out their knees? Like, no, no, there's really no. Oh, and by the way, they traded for Kyrie Irving. What? Bro. It's, it doesn't make any sense. None whatsoever. Wow, man. Wow. So they're done. They're out. Yeah. And our but final told, thing. Nope, go I ahead. Say, I told you that a while ago, man. They just had no energy. No, nothing about them said, we're going to win. No. It's trash. It's ridiculous. It's sad. It's all the all the terms that you want to make it. That's what it is. So before we wrap this up, just quickly, the the Texas Rangers and again, they play every day. So by the time you guys listen to this, you know, we may be a game behind or so. But we talked about how fun baseball is to watch. I've watched three of the Rangers, four games, wasn't able to watch it last night when they finally lost to Baltimore. But man, the Rangers are getting this thing done. They sweep the Phillies. I mean, keep in mind, this is a team that won two games to start the year last year, they were two and nine. They were one of three teams that opened the opening weekend at three and zero, oh, and then they lose to the Orioles at home. They lose two nothing. But the encouraging thing about this, as the lineup has gone cold for a couple of games in a row, the encouraging thing about this is the fact that the Texas Rangers pitching staff again, one day after Martin Perez did it to the Phillies, you saw it again as Andrew Heaney came out and had a fantastic outing 
and they only give up two runs as a staff. Unfortunately, their lineup couldn't get anything going, and I believe was held to just the one hit all game. Yeah, they were one hit, but man, they only gave Baltimore two runs on four hits. That's all Baltimore got on them. Bro, you know, when you, when you look at it, man, it's it's really all – baseball is all about how are you playing. You're going to win some, you're going to lose some, whatever. You play so many games. But if you play consistently good baseball, it all evens out, and you start winning those games. They played a good game last night. They just happened to lose. Yes, they did. And it, it, was, it wasn't Heaney last night. It was John Gray. John Gray, who went six and a third, struck out seven – Unfortunately for him, he made two mistakes, and they were both hit for home runs, and that was the difference in the game, 2 nothing. And, uh, you know, not to give the Rangers an excuse, they don't need one, but sometimes it's not, you know, they prep for, uh, they prep for Baltimore starter. He got hurt in the yeah. first inning, I think, and they went to that bullpen by committee thing, and sometimes that thing works out for you because it's so early in the season, you don't have a book on those guys. You're only seeing them once, and then they're gone. And, you know, I think the stars just aligned yesterday for uh, Baltimore. And so we'll get Andrew Heaney in the second game against Baltimore and then back around to DeGrom, I guess, on – what would that be? What are we uh, – Wednesday. So yeah. it's – this is a good team, man, like we said. And, and if the pitching staff is going to do what we've seen so far, this is going to be a lot of fun this season. But it's it's – I'll tell you this, three and one is a hell of a lot better than sitting here going, well, the season's over and we're four games in. <laughs> Absolutely positively about that, bro. It is fun. They're fun to watch. I'd like to, I'm hoping to be able to watch more of them. We're actually going to be out and about tonight, so maybe I can watch them because I don't think we have any plans for Wednesday night because, I mean, baseball is just fun to watch again. I mean, again, I watched most of the game on Saturday and stopped down for some Sunday night baseball and it just cruises. I mean, this pitch, did you see the opening weekend of Major League Baseball? The average time of baseball games for opening weekend was down 31 minutes. Well, I saw something. I think Bob Ryan, uh, superstar sports reporter, put it up on his Twitter today. Uh, the games yesterday, uh, or the games Sunday, full slate of games, not one of them went more than three hours. It's incredible. Yeah, so now baseball, two thumbs up for uh, for changing the game, being bold, and uh, you know, doing it, making what appears to be a bunch of good moves. Yeah, so good for them, man. Very good for them. That, my friends, is a jam session podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Continue having a kick-ass week, and we'll stop down with y'all in a couple of days and do it again. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.